This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to Front Office Features. Uh, I am Rob Crane and it is Chris and I tonight. Uh, Chris, how are you? Fantastic. How are you? You know, I'm making it. I'm making it. Hey, um, I want to start with um, talking about our last one, right? We talked about the, a kid that you talked to, a kid, I should say, a young uh, aspiring sports professional. And this young aspiring sports professional, we shit on for, yes. Lack for um, a better term. having a, hey, that's a technical term, for not putting their best foot for not doing uh, the necessary research and really not doing the, the, the excellent job that you would hope when you talk to someone like you, director of sales of FSM. So the greatest thing in the world that I believe happened is that kid listened to front office features. And then posted on LinkedIn, listen to this podcast, I'm that guy. Yeah, How uh, great is that? That's amazing. I mean, balls, the balls. Which oh, is, my God. We should hire him. Oh, instantly. Instantly. Yeah. <laughs> he called himself out and said, I'm the dumbass at 20 minutes in. <laughs> listen, that's fantastic. Oh, he went from, by the way, he went from 21 minutes in to like a minute in. Yes. <laughs> First 10 seconds in. Um, and then you guys haven't connected yet, right? But you are in the process of? But, but he has reached out twice and followed. It's on me to make it I'm sure we connect again. But yes, he has followed up. So he is doing his due diligence. And I give him all the credit in the world. I will say that was one of the more incredible things when my little notification thing went off on my phone. like, you have a new LinkedIn notification. Then I was like, oh my goodness. It was so good. I give that kid so much credit. You must work for the Pawtucket Red Sox. Tomorrow you're hired. Look at that. You hear that, Nicholas? You have a job. (laughs) Send your resume immediately to Robert Crane. We got to tag him in the... uh, we got to we got to tag him. Oh, we're gonna make time. him a star. We're gonna make him a star. Yeah, you are. You are incredible. That was awesome. He's a football player for Albany, right? He is. You Albany, yeah. Quarterback. Explains Quarter- a lot. Explains a lot. Right. Uh, I hope he threw five touchdowns. The um, he said they won this week. They were down in Monmouth University, I think, down in New Jersey. I was like, oh, irony is, I grew up ten minutes from that uh, campus. So, That's congratulations. Funny. That's funny. Um. Go Great Danes. Go Great Danes. The Great Danes? I think so. Danes or Great Danes, you Albany, one of that. I think something, something like that. Anyway, um, so the news of sports, which had a little tie to you t- this week, uh, Eli retired. 
Yes, he did. No, he didn't retire. Retire, Jesus Christ! He got uh, he got benched. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like we're going to Eli's morning already. I mean, uh, his press take. conference said he's like, you know, I didn't die, everybody. I'm, I'm still alive. So yeah, he didn't retire. Uh, he got benched. He got uh, benched. But it might be worse. It might would, be worse to be benched than retire. Oh my God. Um. So anyway, you worked for the Giants. I did. You, my... for... you got any good Eli stories? Um. You know what? He was. People don't know this about. I mean, some people might know it now, but he was the biggest prankster in the locker room. Really? He would pull more pranks on the offensive linemen all the time. He he was he was ahead of the curve when he was changing people's phones into different languages, and they didn't know how to switch it back. <laughs> so, like back when the iPhones were first coming, like he was just way ahead of the curve. He messed with the linemen constantly, and uh, he was just. A, but he was always quiet about it. He was a sneaky assassin. That's funny. And uh, what year were you there? He was drafted in what? Oh three. Uh, oh four. Oh four. That's right. It was right. The, it was uh, yeah, Eli, Big Ben, and Rivers. Yeah, and uh, so you were there right there in 04 when he got drafted, or I was. I just uh, I I joined. Let me think. So I right after school. So right around draft time, um, and then he came in, and uh, they drafted me and Eli. They drafted you and Eli. They, uh, I think, they got the better uh, pick with uh, with Eli. Um, maybe what well, one could argue, uh, <laughs> maybe. but, but value wise, I don't know, like what they paid for him versus <laughs> what they paid for me. <laughs> Not much a, argument to be made. So you wrote a great blog about Eli and humbleness and everything. Um, you know, what struck you about Eli, uh, to write what you wrote? Well, I kind of like what I said, right? So like the guy is from NFL royalty, his brother, Peyton, his father, Archie, Came into the league with high expectations. Everyone thought he was silver spooned. Could have walked through the door like, my shit don't stink. I'm here. He he slid right in. He did his rookie thing. Wasn't above it all. Did the whole rookie singing, dancing in training camp. And if you just watch him throughout his career, the guy played in the hardest city probably in the country to play in from a media perspective. Took a brunt of all the criticisms and up and downs. Never wavered. Never missed a game. Ever which is incredible in the NFL, never complained, never threw his teammates under the bus, and then produced in when it was clutch, when it was time. I mean, wouldn't probably say he's had the best career of all time, but when it mattered, he stepped up, made the biggest throws in the biggest games, having arguably one of the greatest plays in NFL history. And throughout it all, even now when he got benched, he, he, he took it all with class, didn't make any excuses, and said he'd be there for his teammates. And I mean, so from corresponding that to the business world, Great, you might know so and so, and that's why you got this job. But you still, when you come into the front office, you still have to produce, and everyone around you has had accomplishments as well. It doesn't matter. Just go in there, do your job, crush it, and the rest will be history. Yeah, kind of just put your head down, go get after it, and then do your thing. And uh, Eli never threw any teammate under the bus, even if they had five drops or they ran the wrong route and he threw a pick. I mean, the uh, guy had the worst offensive line. He was running for his life and he never said a word about it. He just said, look, we got to play better. We got to play better. I got to play better. And you, it's easy to make excuses and like curl up in a ball and just quit when the going gets tough or you can step up and figure it out. And he just epitomized that throughout his career. Well, he was a big charity guy too, wasn't he? Huge. I mean, he won the Walter Payton award. I think he was nominated multiple times and he finally won it. He did a lot of stuff with kids and going to hospitals, visiting children. And I mean, again, a guy like that can go one of two ways. He could come in and be like, I'm Eli Manning. I'm making hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't have to do these things, but I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to give back. And 
donating your time is sometimes even more valuable than money because you could have wrote a check and said, I'm good. But those moments that those kids probably in those hospitals with cancer spent with him probably made them feel better. And they'll remember it for the rest of their lives. Yeah, he seems like a uh, fantastic, fantastic guy. And uh, who knows? He might get another opportunity. And uh, I wonder if the Giants will trade him to somewhere that there is a contender where he can play. Not well, a contender, but like at least to somebody where you can well, play. Well, your, your, your team might need a quarterback right now. So. Oh, no. Uh, Steelers, <laughs> Mason Rudolph. I got nothing but faith. I mean, the Steelers just traded a first-round pick for uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Too. I know. Was, I saw came that. out of nowhere. So they're going for it. I mean, they're in. So, they're going for something. I'm not sure what it is. Well, the Maras and the, the Maras and the, the Roonies are very close. I mean, so Kate Mara, the actress, is a Mara Rooney. I did not know that. Yeah, so she is on the blood. She's the bloodline of a Rooney and a Mara. So she's a giant and a Steeler. She's a giant and a Steeler. So she's kind of like this podcast. So she, yeah, exactly. So she, <laughs> kind of make, she can make the deal for Eli. She can negotiate that between the families. Yeah, I, uh, I got, I'm, uh, I got my fingers. Well, I don't really want Eli, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can keep him. Uh, but uh, well, Mason Rudolph. Nice. Yeah, right. Uh, that's okay. But uh, Mason Rudolph, I got faith, and. Uh, We'll see what happens in, in, in Steeler land. But um, we also had um, uh, Larry Friedman on the podcast on Tuesday. And Larry, um, lawyer, but one of these friendly, approachable lawyers. There's some lawyers that are not. Uh, so, by the way, first two podcasts, I didn't realize until after. Uh, Larry Lucchino, Larry Friedman, uh, both lawyers, both named yeah, Larry. Both named Larry. Uh, there's a, so we're two there's for two. A, there's a pattern going on, which we probably should fix. Um, but there's a couple things that I took from Larry. I thought he had some good insights. Um, one was using like, what's the worst case scenario when taking a job, right? So he was using it as uh, the question being, do I go to law school? Right. And the worst case scenario is, all right, you go to law school, you do it, but then like, you gotta be a lawyer and you're doing, uh, personal injury stuff. You're doing workers comp. You're doing kind of like menial lawyer tasks. Are you cool with that when that happens? And I thought it was good thought because like, if you are, yeah, great, go for it. And I remember being comfortable with that when I took a $16,000 a year job in lovely Battle Creek, Michigan Battle Creek. job in sports. I think every, my goal is in every podcast is to somehow drop in a, a Battle Creek reference. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Um, I remember I had that thought. I was like, oh, what's the worst case scenario? Did you ever have anything like that of like, all right, what's the worst case scenario, either when you went to DraftKings or uh, FSM or any of the other spots? Yeah, no. So uh, when the Devils approached me about moving back to Massachusetts to go work in the AHL and leave the NHL, and I was like, well, worst case scenario, I have to leave home, and if it doesn't work out, I go home. And if I can go back to the NHL or move jobs around, it, it is what it is. But it, it's one of those things of, look, you got to take chances. You, you don't know what the end result's going to be, but at the end of the day, whatever decision you make isn't the end of the world. Everything's fixable, right? So like, yeah, of course. Of course. Like, great. Okay. It didn't work out. Every decision I've made hasn't worked out. Same as you. You've We've all moved around. Everyone does. That's why I always tell everybody, look, if you're going to take a job, it's not the last job you're going to take. And if it is, congratulations. Yeah. So, right. The odds of that happening are, uh, are, are slim. Uh, but you also said something there, too, that I think rolled into something that Larry Friedman said, too, was uh, was be bold. Um, 
you know, kind of going back of saying like, uh, you know, reach out to somebody. What's the worst that can happen? They ignore you. All right. right. They Same ignore thing. you. Ask nope. for the business, right? So, you know, what's funny is the irony may have it. So I talked to 26 year old this, this week who is a lawyer who had worked in minor league sports, but got and got his law degree and realized he's practicing law. Doesn't love it, but of what he's doing from a legal perspective, but wants to be in operations and work on CBAs and work in sports. So he got on a plane, went to the teamwork online, LA Dodgers career fair this week, met a ton of people that he needed to make um, connections with. We had a long talk before it gave him some like boost up advice. So he'd felt better about it. And he's like, this is exactly what I needed. Went into that, said it went well. And now he's going to keep working on making those connections with people in the right departments for what he wants to do rather than stick in the menial job that he doesn't love. And I mean, everyone controls their own destiny. Just take it by the balls and go for it. Right. Like right. what do you got to lose? He also gave an example. I can't remember her name, uh, but took a job with the Yankees doing like nothing. And then there uh, was, and was a lawyer. And first thing that uh, this person did was like run into Lontro's office and says, Hey, um, I know I'm not here for this, but just in case you need any extra help, I'm a lawyer. I've done this before. Happy to help whenever you need. And Lon remembered it and was like, oh, yeah, what about that person that came into my office that one day? He was like, oh, do this task. And then remember what Lucino said. And then did that task well. Then do the next task well. And then do the next task well. And then all of a sudden, you're the lawyer for the New York Yankees. Yeah, Yo, and it's it's always just speaking up, right? Because no one's going to just give you stuff. Because how would Lon Trost know that about you unless you actually told him? Right. <laughs> and, and like, and also, like, how would he even know you have any interest in doing it unless you told him? So networking within your own organization is something that most people, especially at a young age, never do. Like, they just don't even have a conversation with their coworkers to even express interest in what they do to get, to get a general sense or then in, inform other people what you're good at or what you want to do. Right. Just talk to people. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, life lesson. Uh, just go talk to that person over there. Yeah, like put your phone down, get off Instagram, Twitter, Face, Facegram, whatever. Uh, unless, unless you're liking front office features, you're liking front office features, or and listening then, to this podcast, or listening to this podcast, then uh, scroll away and uh, and listen away. Very but if you're not, then like go, go 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 talk to somebody. What do you yeah. think? What do you tell to somebody who's like, you know? Um, there's people that I know who are very friendly, but they are very nervous to go up to somebody and just talk to them, right? It's just not in their DNA. In my DNA, right? I can go talk to anybody. It doesn't right. matter. Um, what do you give to somebody who isn't kind of the extrovert uh, and is a little timid? Uh, what kind of advice would you give them who is maybe not the outgoing person, personality type? So for in your own organization or just like in general? Uh, go both. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's in your organization, well, either way, I guess this works. So send them an email, ask to grab coffee, get in like a neutral setting, get out of the office, go for a walk. And then kind of just, as you know, people like to talk. So just ask them a question or two and they'll be off and running after that, maybe fill in the blanks here and there, but just at least initiate. Like if you're the one that initiates or say, want to go grab lunch, can you go grab coffee? Unless you work with a bunch of jackasses, someone's going to say yes. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> so like, and if it's like reaching out to you or I, and you and I are better than most saying yes, at least they reached out. Like you got to try to your point. Like, and if you, if you send one email or one LinkedIn message and I don't respond, that's on you. Like follow up. Everybody's busy and it's not malicious. Like think about how many emails you get in a day. More than one. 
more than one. So you <laughs> get if, if I don't respond on that immediate email, it gets pushed down, right? So keep following up. Don't it's a finding a consistency of being persistent without being annoying. And eventually, hopefully, if that person has any like credibility, they'll respond to you. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's the that's the good thing is like, yeah. Oh, I responded once. He didn't say anything. Yeah, uh, call again. Yeah, like I think there's some crazy statistic in sales that the the every sale is made after like the thirteenth or fourteenth tr- time of trying to reach out to somebody. Yeah, like, it's. Uh, I think I've seen that too. It's yeah, uh, it's crazy it's numbers. Nut- like, it's a nutso stat, and there's no difference in a sale you know closing a piece of business like you and i do on a daily basis then closing a sale to yourself yourself to a job yeah you're always selling yourself and like at that point like i've always said if you don't ask for the business you're never going to get it so right be aggressive but be be very in terms of respectful of people's time but at the end of the day put yourself out there no one's going to call you up from the new york yankees like, hey, we got this job. We were thinking of you. We, we know you're out there. Like, come yeah, on, on down. The, the golden job from the uh, is is not out there with someone who you don't know. No, no. no. Um, you also were saying too that you've uh, talked to a few people and kind of on the same vein is going out and talking to some uh, folks and saying like, this is here's some example on. I use the I'm going to use a wrong term here, but I don't care is like a pickup line, right? Like, what do you fir- what do you say first? And how does that uh, create the conversation with somebody? So pickup line is wrong. Uh, <laughs> In 2019, uh, do not use a pickup line. On your yeah, you can't, you, can't, you can't use that. But uh, you know what I'm trying to say is, the, what's the first thing that you say to somebody where you, you know, start uh, building the foundation of a conversation? Yeah, no, I, I so uh, that was one of the pieces of advice I was giving someone I was talking to today is, look, you've got to have this elevator pitch down pat, right? Think about what you're trying to get across about yourself of why we should be interested in talking to you and what are you trying to accomplish and have that down to a good 30 to 45 seconds explaining what the goal that you're, you're trying to, to, to do in this conversation, right? And a specific so, one, not a generality one. Completely, like the whole I love sports, I want to just work in sports or I want to get my foot in the door, get that out of your vocabulary immediately. It does no one any good other than be like, oh, yeah, I like sports too. What sports do you like? So where, where are we going here, right? Yeah, that Tell does me, not set the framework of a no, conversation. No, Tell me what about sports makes you passionate to want to work in it. Like, What is it about going to Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium or Wrigley Field makes you feel different and of what you want to do within that industry and, and specifically within our industry, what do you want to do? Not just, I want to get there and I feel like it'd be fun and learn along the way. Well, we're not here to like drag you along for the road. Like You have to have a purpose. And we want to hire someone with that purpose. Amen. I also want to hire somebody, too, with... Um, we were talking a little about follow-up skills. A, a little bit of a personality of like, hey, where are we on this? Hey, where are we on this? But not to the annoying way. Totally. So I say this because there's some people that are probably going to go through this at some point or maybe going through this now is like, hey, I'm an intern or hey, I'm a, a entry level person. And the next step, right, whether it's a promotion or you're trying to go from intern to full time job. And, um, you know, just like you said, we're all busy and sometimes it doesn't happen at the speed that you want it to happen. So I always thought and I'm kind of going through this now is saying like, hey, um, I know that we're talking about this potential opportunity. When should I follow up with you again? 
So in terms of like how long should you wait if you don't hear back from somebody? You don't, if you don't hear back from somebody, but also like it's internal, right? So someone internally is saying like, hey, we might have a full-time gig for you. We've got to run it, you know, proverbially off the flagpole. Um, I always thought a good thing to say is, okay, sounds good. When should I follow up with you again in case I haven't heard? Yeah, that or suggest a time. Suggest a time. Sometimes be like, listen, how about I follow up with you next Friday? And you and that lets that person say, okay, well, maybe the week after. At least you put it back on them and give them an example rather than open-ended, right? So I'm going to follow up with you next Thursday in the morning. I'll give you a call then. Does that work for you? Done. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. And then because uh, I put the deadline, put the clock on something. Right. And uh, without a clock, I think that uh, uh, time just kind of ticks away and then never something never happens. And there's something mentally in like just people that if you give someone something specific, they're usually going to say like, okay, yes, that works. Or if it doesn't, they'll give you an alternative. But if you just say, can I follow up with you? I'm going to say, sure. (laughs) Yeah. You have no idea. Sure. Yeah. When when? you should. Right. You got to get specific. We've talked a lot about specifics the first couple of times. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's literally, it gives, it just, it puts a stake in the ground to work towards. And it lets you obviously from, from a, from a mind at ease because people at the young age and even, I mean, probably you and I both do this is patience is not usually of what people have. I have none of it. Right. Most impatient person ever. You want immediacy. And like, if you don't have something, when you know a date's going to be coming, you're just sitting there thinking like, when is this eventually going to happen? And that drives people crazy. There's a Jay-Z line. I got no patience and I hate waiting. There you go. I mean, (laughs) this doesn't work out. You should call Hova and see if he. uh, (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. Uh, But it is a line that's always stuck in my wife. I always tell my wife, I got no patience. I hate waiting. She goes like, I get it. I get it. Jay-Z, 1994. (laughs) What a throwback. Yeah, it was, it was uh, back in the day. Early 90s rap's the, the best one. Biggie is the best rapper uh, of all time, without Biggie, question. Huh? There really? is no... There is no, uh, no debate. No debate. It's it's over. Wow. That's a strong statement. Biggie? Uh, Biggie? Who's better? Ah, I mean, it's... Because it's, it's, there's not an answer for it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> You're proven points. So, I, you know, I it's probably going to pain me to say this, but... I, I probably enjoy Eminem better. Oh, come on. No, I, I did the time, not anymore. But here's the difference with Eminem. His stuff is not translated well to later on. But at the time, it was no. great. <laughs> he still is. He's, he's, he's excellent. But uh, I don't I'm know. Not... Like, I listen to it now. Like, some of the old stuff, I'm like, ah, oh, this just doesn't have the same. I, I will give it. I listen to Biggie, and it's still always great. It's always great. It's and always, I, always. Same thing with Tupac and Snoop, all their old stuff. Still goes and Dre. I love Dre. I love Dre. The Chronic 2001 might be one of the best rap albums of all time. It was very good. I remember. Uh, do you remember what was the uh, uh, the thing where you would go in the mail and get like a hundred CDs for a oh, Columbia Records? Records, yeah. It was one of my first Columbia Records purchase. Was uh, that thing uh, was a scam? It's like, oh, for two pennies, you get all these CDs, and then all of a sudden it was like 30 bucks for yeah, like right? And you're like, wait a minute, what? Um, I remember the first one ever uh, I did, and I got that CD. But the CD is the one; it's like a black CD with a big marijuana leaf on. Oh, the, perfect! On that's, the, that's that's chronic. It's chronic. That's the chronic album, right? And uh, I remember getting the CDs and opening them at my house, 
and my parents, I'm like in seventh grade or something, and they open this. She's like, "What the hell is this?" It's like, no, it's really good. She's like, "No, you're uh, you are not listening to that." For anyone listening to this, they might not know what CDs are either, so we should probably explain. So look at the. Uh, you can look it up. It's still like the little icon on uh, on Apple Music or whatever. That's true. Oh, that's true. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny how in terms of just the whole industry and technology and music and we're talking about Eminem. The fact that we're talking about how old that is, is ridiculous. Crazy. It's crazy. TRL baby. TRL Carson Daly. Um, the, uh, so this week I was in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Tell me about that. How was the, how was the barbecue? The barbecue was delicious. Uh, the, so I was in Memphis, Tennessee. So the, Two AAA leagues, the Pacific Coast League, uh, plays the International League in a one-game playoff. The winner of the PCL and the winner of the IL play in a one-game playoff. And we also have uh, internet, uh, AAA baseball and International League and Pacific Coast League meetings. Um, and while I was down there, we got another interview in the can. Pat O'Connor, who's the president and CEO of all of minor league baseball, uh, gave a very good interview. We did it in the lobby of a hotel, uh, lobby of a hotel. And, uh, it turned out great. Cause one of the things that I, w- I'm anxious to get on the podcast, we got to figure out when we're going to do this one, um, is the piece that is most important right now is something called the PBA. So the PBA, as you know, but for our listeners, is a professional baseball agreement. This agreement is basically what weds Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball together. This agreement expires at the end of 2020. And there's some, like, major things that need to be accomplished uh, for this. And Pat is leading the negotiations of this. So we get into it. Yeah, what are some of the big sticking points right now? Um, They haven't looked at uh, facility standards in a long time. So like how big are clubhouses, how big are training rooms, what needs to be included in clubhouses and training rooms. Um, nutrition is a big thing, right? Hmm. You know, 15 years ago, we were feeding guys burger, leftover burgers and dogs and pizza <laughs> after the game, right? And they were it, happy to take it. And they were happy to take it. Now it's like, well, you don't, you only have eight different kinds of fruit in the uh, pregame spread and there's not a fish available post uh, pregame. And, uh, you don't have enough proteins and carb ratios, and it's like, got it, right? Like the you're feeding your high performing professional athletes, and they need fuel that is different than burgers and dogs and pizza. So I agree with that. Things need to be changed and things need to be updated. Uh, it'll just be interesting. I think who's going to pay for it? That's going to be who's going to pay for it to be the key, right? Yeah, the the economics of this is going to be interesting. Two. Um, is the travel, right? Travel and rest, travel and rest, travel and rest, as we hear that a ton. It's brutal. And, uh, the minor leagues is brutal for travel. Really bad. You know, when I was with a PCL, um, I was in Omaha, Nebraska for six years, AAA for the Kansas City Royals. And those guys, every time that you change cities, besides one time when we would go to Des Moines, you have to get on like Southwest Flight 246 that takes off at six in the morning out of Omaha, stops in Chicago, and goes to uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and it is a unbelievably brutal travel life schedule for for six months. Is like 
you are always in an airport. You are always on an airplane and it is always unbelievably early. And you're not always flying direct and the bus from there from because you're in the middle of nowhere sometimes. Yeah, it's not. That's just in AAA. I mean, there's like Pioneer League clubs that's the lowest of low A where you're on a bus for 13 hours. Yep. Like those are like stories. And then like the the guys that people don't even think about is like the radio broadcaster who's on that bus making no money, but he's driving around the country on a bus. We've got one of we've got one of those uh, John Sadak. Uh, He was our radio broadcaster in Scranton and now is a big time broadcaster. He's on CBS Sports Network and calls uh, Westwood one uh, for Westwood one. He was just doing a bunch of Mets games. But anyway, he's one of. Excuse me. One of the interviews that we've had uh, that we have coming on, uh, on those front guys, of- the broadcasters just, from the minor leagues, could yeah. write a book. Oh man! About all the stories they've seen. Oh, it's it's insane. I was a uh, a radio broadcaster in Omaha, uh, Mark Nasser. I mean, he's been doing it for twenty five, twenty twenty five years, and uh, love it. You just gotta love it. Yeah, it's gotta. I mean, you you you've got to love it. You've got to love it, which is what they do. Uh, but anyway, the so give back to the original point. Travel is a big issue. Off days are a big issue. Yeah. Um, facility standards are a big issue, and um, you know, I, I think I, they'd I think, shorten the season even more. Like, do they play too many games? Do you think the owners would push back on that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. If they want all of these things and you want us to pay for them, how are you going to take away revenue opportunities? Right. So maybe they make the major league baseball ownership pay for it. Right. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of different things, and this is the first one um, that Rob Manfred's done. They've all been done, not all, but they've been well, done for the most recent past by uh, Bud Selig. So I think too it'll uh, uh, that'll be a part of it. But this is negotiation at the highest level. And I was excited to have uh, Pat O'Connor, the CEO and president of minor league baseball, uh, join the podcast and really be open and candid with, um, with the PBA discussions. I just find it incredibly uh, interesting. He's done four of these things. Really? He was the COO of minor league baseball for a long time. And um, Michael, Mike Moore, was the former president mm-hmm. uh, and him and Mike did the, the deals, the deals together. But Mike, uh, I think handed most of the negotiation off the pat. Well, it'll be uh, when does it start? Are they negotiating already? Very like uh, Pat was giving us an update and it was like, it's, it's really early, really early. So it's not really into the uh, depths of this thing yet. So they still got a long time. Remember it doesn't expire until the after 20. So we still have another, Gotcha. Year, so um, they they've they've got themselves a, a long time. And the uh, speaking of CBAs, Actually, the, two years. Oh yeah, two years. The NHL announced that they're going to have peace agreement for another three years because they decided not to opt out of their agreement. So labor but, peace is good. Yes, for they everybody. What they does too, because they got a big thing coming up, and you got guys like Le'Veon Bell sitting out. I mean, Melvin Gordon still uh, sitting out. Um, you know, he's really screwing my fantasy football team right now. <laughs> my, my team is in trouble. I'm already in my, between my real football team playing a rookie quarterback and my fantasy, I, I, I'm football season might be over for me by week three. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're all there. Um, so Memphis was good though. Um, uh, though I don't really love Memphis. Uh, not many people do. 
It's not. It's not Nashville. It's definitely not Nashville. But I did drive to Nashville, and I you went to the ballpark. I went to their ballpark and uh, talked to their folks. The oh, Nashville nice. ballpark is fantastic. Is I will it? say this: the Memphis ballpark is very nice too. Um, but it was built twenty years ago, and for like ninety million dollars twenty years ago in Tennessee. So it is a Taj Mahal. Nashville? Really, it is Nashville. No, this is Memphis. Oh, Nashville Memphis. was built uh, and opened five years ago. Uh, a guy named Adam Noose runs that club uh, with another guy, Doug Scopel, and they do a fantastic job. They must have one of the best home records in minor league sports, them in Las Vegas. Yeah, when right. The, when the visiting team comes to town. They have a good time. They must have some fun. Nashville, I will say, has got to be one of my top, maybe top, Top three, definitely cities to go visit. It was. I've been once. It, I went with actually got to go with Sam Adams. My wife was working there for their national meeting there. So being in Nashville with Sam Adams was a blast. I can imagine that that, that the people, the food, the area. It's awesome. It's, it's like so live fun. music wherever you want to go. Just wherever you go, clean. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a great time. No cover charge. Walk into any bar and there's a up-and-coming country star where the writer's playing music at the bar. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, so I think one of the things that we've, we've got to keep doing is we've got to keep pushing people towards our social sites. And I think the other thing that I could we could use help with, right? Yes. I think we could help with this, is one of our ways is we're trying to get to uh, some college professors so that they can spread the word about front office features through their students and aspiring uh, sport management grads. And it would be very helpful if you're listening to go to frontofficefeatures.com and you can send us a message. And if you've got any email addresses to some sport management professors that you could share with us. That would be very helpful. That would be very helpful in the way. And also, you know, like all our social media pages and uh, and do all that because we've been doing a pretty good job. You were on a uh, Twitter chat this week, weren't you? Yeah, YP Sports Chat. So young professional looking to get into the business. I guess there's this, this group, YP Sports Chat, that I went on as front office features and answered some questions. It was fun. It was cool. Nine yeah. o'clock at night, sitting there. I forget what I, was, I think I was watching Entourage. Good <laughs> shooting, shooting off some uh, some tweets, you know, the, 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 the tweet, tweet, tweet. Yeah, the uh, but the, like that kind of stuff is is helpful. We want to. Well, you and I, what are, you and I are doing a live a live Skype into a college. Yeah, uh, uh, Wake Forest. It's in October. Yeah. What? What? When are we doing? Yeah, we're doing it with their um, sports business group, right? Yeah, and uh, so more of those. And uh, I'm going to uh, my alma mater, college, in October uh, to go speak. And uh, I think I'm going to go to Johnson and Wales here in Rhode Island. Uh, to go speak. So I think that if you guys are, if anyone listening is running a sport management club, I mean, we'll come talk to you. I mean, we'll figure out the group FaceTime or a Google Hangout or something like that Absolutely. where we, where we can, uh, where we can talk with you guys. Um, I, I love it. I just think it's so much fun. Remember, this is like a passion project for us. We're just having a good time talking about this kind of stuff. Cause you and I like it. I spoke to someone for 45 minutes on my commute home today. I was like, this is, and I got fired up in the car. I was like getting really like passionate about talking about it. I, was, like, I don't know what was going on. But it was probably more the traffic. I was getting very aggravated. It took me an hour and 25 minutes to go 16 freaking miles. So it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, I still encourage, like we've said all along, reach out to you and I on LinkedIn to set up times to speak. If you're in Boston or if you're in down in Rhode Island by Rob, ask to come to the stadium, grab a cup of coffee. Come on by. Come on by. We'll uh, we'll do it. So um, next week we got a podcast coming out. Um, Who did we decide on? Janet Marie? Yes, Janet Marie. So that that story and her background for people who don't know is it's pretty fascinating. The fact that she is single-handedly responsible for pretty much Fenway Park still standing the way it does and the way it looks today. And then also building all the other new ballparks along well, the way. She, she changed baseball. I, there yeah. was a, there, we, I read the line to her in the uh, podcast. Uh, Bud Selig said, the building of Camden Yards, which Janet Marie designed, is one of the like top three things to happen to the game of baseball in a century. It every new ballpark from that point forth has been modeled after Camden Yards. It's incredible. She's the one. Her and Lucino are the ones that said, uh, yeah. "Let's build a a, a modern, uh, a old fashioned ballpark with modern amenities." And uh, wow, did that take off like wildfire! So I can't go in the Hall of Fame, like like oh, legit Cooperstown legit. Hall of Fame. So I can't wait to see what you guys put up in Worcester. It's um, it's going pretty good. I will say this: they uh, uh, we're designing uh, right now, and I think it's going to be pretty unique. You know what we should figure out how to do um, when they're public? We'll uh, we'll have to share all the pictures and everything of it, and we'll walk through it because we also should see if we can do a video. Um, and maybe I can go to the site and go walk through the video, and uh, I can show you around because you haven't seen the site. No, we're going to be in Worcester next week, though, together. So we could go That's right. Week. We are going to be in Worcester yeah. next week. We'll Worcester so next I don't think then. No, and then also, like, I think capturing content for people to see how this thing goes and what it, what it looks like today and what it's going to look like two years from now, it's going to be a fascinating time lapse of video. So if you're also on the uh, – check out uh, Polar Park's uh, social stuff. The Twitter uh, and Instagram is really good. We got this guy. He's, he's, a, he's, he's very good at the – uh, taking like artistic pictures and videos and that kind we of should thing. hire him we should we really we should, should we should hire him we should i could use not gonna lie we could use some help with a little video i don't know anything about video stuff no um, no and i know i want to but uh we gotta figure that out i was speaking of video i was recording my daughter the other day climbing up the stairs for the first time it was the perfect dad moment as she was climbing up really proud completely lost control slipped and all you, you see her flying backwards and just <laughs> boom right on the ground and i dropped the phone to go get her and you just hear that crack and you're Wah! like a loud cry i was like oh i said it to my wife she's like oh this is so cute i was like oh wait for it and then boom <laughs> the same thing happened to me i was t- what video of my daughter she was like running through bubbles and we were, uh, on the garage floor she's like running and goes into the garage floor and then just slips and as i'm videotaping takes a face plant and i was oh. like oh, crap and Think though, think though, for you that don't have kids out there, when you finally have kids, don't react too hard because once you react, that's when they, the the waterworks open up. Oh, to pretend like it's okay. It's all right. Um, all right. So, we're, are we almost done? I think so. There's been no GM stories. Oh no, 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 no GM. <laughs> we are almost done. I don't have another uh, GM story, but I do have a. Uh, I do have another story. You want to? Where? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do story time with Rob. Let's do it. <laughs> story time with Rob. So get this. This was two months ago. I am on LinkedIn, and I'm cruising along. And uh, so I was born in Pittsburgh, and I moved to Boston when I was in sixth grade. And 
the uh, uh, a feed comes up, and it was this guy Jack Tipton, and he's the senior director of corporate partnerships for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I was like, huh, I went to elementary school with a Jackie Tipton. And the guy's got a beard. And I was like, but he kind of looks like if I were to hit fast forward 30 years, 25 years, that might be him. So I said, what the hell? I'm going to send him a little no- a LinkedIn message. And I said, hey, uh, you kind of look like the guy I went to elementary school at Mount Glitzen Academy in Baden, Pennsylvania. Are you that guy? Uh, sorry if you're not. And this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and he responds in like 10 minutes. He's like, nah, same guy, same guy. So uh, he's the, you know, some senior director of uh, corporate partnerships with the Penguins. What are the uh, odds? And uh, I went to elementary school with him. Haven't talked to him since I was in fifth grade. Uh, but he's a guy. Jack, if you're listening, I'm coming for you and uh, add you to the uh, podcast interview list because I think it would be good to catch up with someone who uh, I remember like going over his house and the whole thing and um, you know catch what you- up someone who I haven't talked to in 25 years. I told my mom and she's like, oh, Jackie Tipton, I used to love that. You're such a cute little kid. <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate to hear that now 25 years later. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, yeah, so no GM stories, but definitely a, a story of uh, reaching out to reaching out to someone who I thought I went to uh, elementary school. But look, it all goes back to what we talked about early on. You got to reach out to get a response, right? There you go. You, 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 I, I, you took I, a chance. I, you put yourself out there. Yeah, I, I did. Imagine if it wasn't. I was part of me was kind of rooting for no. Like what a creep show that's, you are. Weird, and uh, sometimes that's just kind of funny for me. Yeah, no, I think I think I'll bring a story next week. I'm going to bring a story. I'm going to think of a story for next week. A good story, a crazy story I've had to do in this industry. You got to bring one too, though. <laughs> I've got some good ones. I've yeah, mm-hmm. I've got ones I probably can't share on this podcast, but I, I've got some good ones. It's a podcast. We can do whatever we want. That's true. That is true. There is uh, no rules. There are, there are there are no rules. All right, my friend. Um, another busy week ahead. Jenny Marie, post a blog, get this thing up and rolling. Love you, Eli. Yeah. Right. See ya. Later.